TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this week we're talking about the potentially controversial topic of fat. So I know that throughout the past few decades, I guess it is, that we've been all been told to avoid fat. Fat makes you fat. It causes increased cholesterol. And, um, and what we do know is that actually fat is in a very efficient source of energy. It's the highest and densest source of energy compared to um, protein and carbohydrates. So today we're going to tell you about why we love fat and why these myths are really not not in fact true and they are exactly myths yeah it's interesting that we keep it seems like almost every episode we're talking about something controversial you know <laughs> but it's like well this is this is stuff that's ancient and we've decided to make it something different and now we're just getting back to what it always was right so yeah, i love the uh, i love the quote from rob wolf when we interviewed him and he said that the paleo diet was a fad since 40 million bc yeah <laughs> i just true. love that quote it's fantastic <laughs> yeah, yeah the oldest fad diet yeah love to have that on a shirt that's good um, so there are lots of different types of fat, right? So some are good, some are bad, some are solid, some are liquid. And I think to me, the most important thing to remember is that the ones that are liquid are meant to be liquid and the ones that are solid are meant to be solid. And we shouldn't be interfering with them and trying to make them something they're not. So by that, I'm talking about like your margarine and, and your you know olive oil spread and that sort of thing. They're not normally a liquid at room temperature, but we've done something to them as humans and, and it's hydrogenation to make them a solid, to make them more convenient for us to use. And that actually causes a lot of damage um, when we consume them. Yeah, and so there's this whole myth, isn't there, around fats, around, you know, I think you said it just at the start there, Steph, about fats making us fats, and it really sort of came in in the 80s, and we've had some, some research, perhaps not the best research or good research, but we had some research suggesting that, that this consumption of fat was the big problem, and, and I think really, we've really got to the stage now where we've pretty well dispelled that, I mean, we've had, you know, a couple of decades now of telling everyone to reduce their fat, to go low fat this, low fat that. Um, and what we've seen is an absolute explosion in obesity. I mean, we now know in Australia, if we look at overweight and obese people, then it's up around like 66, 67% of the population, right? So it's now the norm in our society to be overweight or obese, which is pretty scary when you think about it. So, you know, we've, we've had this revolution around fats where we said, no, fats are all bad. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to get them out of our diet. You know, we see that when you look at the food pyramid and you've got that tiny little triangle right up the top, which is, yeah, just have these tiny little bit of fats which is, quite frankly, just a bit crazy. And, um, and so we're realising now that, hey, maybe we got that a bit wrong. Like, there's a lot of research now coming out, and we're now talking about why fats are good for us and why fats are awesome. And so I guess a big part of this conversation is cholesterol, because um, we've had this huge fear campaign around cholesterol, and cholesterol being the bad guy, because cholesterol is so closely correlated with heart disease. And and I thought, you know, on the weekend we just had our wellness summit for the Wellness Couch, which incidentally was awesome. Um, and so if you're, if you're interested in that, we definitely, there's going to be videos available on the Wellness Couch website where you can check that out. Um, and there's going to be another wellness summit coming up in Melbourne in August, which I am just so excited about because the weekend just blew me away. 
But one of the things, one of the great things I thought from the weekend was Dr. Peter Dingle's presentation because he is just a ball of energy. He just really got up is, there and just like lit up the room. He was going off and it was fantastic. And the great analogy he had was he said, look, cholesterol is kind of like a band-aid in your body. You know, when there's been some damage there, when you've been having, you know, not eating the right stuff, causing some damage to your arteries, then cholesterol is actually the healing molecule that comes along. Your body actually releases this cholesterol there to band-aid over it, to patch it up, right? And so it's a bit like kind of looking at a cut on your arm and going, well, you know, every time I get a cut on my hand, shortly after there's a band-aid there. So it must be the band-aid causing the cut on my arm, right? Which is kind of ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? Right? And so I just thought that was a great analogy as to why cholesterol is actually um, not the, the bad guy it's made out to be, that actually it's pretty good. Yeah, and cholesterol, I mean, we look at hormones, which run pretty much every you know, function in our body has some interaction with hormones somewhere along the way. Hormones, the basic building block for every hormone in your body is cholesterol. It's a cholesterol molecule. So we really need that stuff in our system. It's not something we should be avoiding. And in fact, the damaging cholesterol, and there are good and bad types of cholesterol, but the damaging one is the one that our body produces in response to the environment as opposed to what we're actually consuming. So it's not consumption of cholesterol that's harmful. It's when our body makes it, and it makes it as a defense mechanism. Just like you said, it's that Band-Aid. Yeah, and it is. It's so important in terms of all those hormones in our body. Like It's the precursor to all those important hormones. It's also so important in terms of our brain and our brain function, right? Absolutely. And so it's not surprising that we're now seeing studies that, you know, when people are on those cholesterol-lowering medications, then we're seeing links there with diabetes. Oh, sorry, with depression, I meant to say. We're seeing you know, links there with Alzheimer's. We're seeing links there with all these different conditions of the brain because we're actually denying our brains the fats and the cholesterol that it needs. Yeah, exactly. And... On a different note, we're talking about your energy levels as well. So like I said in the introduction, that uh, fat is a really, really good source of energy. And it also keeps you full for a long time. So we mentioned in a um, previous episode about wheat actually stimulating hunger, and fat actually does the opposite. So you actually find you don't crave all these other things when you're eating enough fat in your diet. Yeah, and the beauty of that is that it's really giving you that longer-term energy as well. It's not giving you the spikes and the crashes that you tend to get from the from the pure carbohydrates. It, it's a much more sustainable release of that energy. So it, it tends to give you that energy over a longer period of time. And as you said, the satiety, which is, I think is a really big one, obviously. Um, you know, We spoke a lot with Jimmy Moore about that, and he talks a lot about that fat and satiety, and we'll definitely get him on this show at some stage to talk about that. Yeah, and I think maybe some of that, that um, fat is bad, not only as a cholesterol thing, but it's like, going back to that old calories in, calories out myth as well, that, well, mm -hmm. if we're going to lose weight, we need to limit our calories, and the best way to limit our calories is by limiting fat, because that's such a dense um, calorie, it's a calorie-dense food, right? But what we forget, and you know, we talked about this in grains, is that our fat, our, our fat um, metabolism and our ability to deposit fat isn't related to calories, it's related to hormones and what hormones are switched on by certain foods. And by far and away, the, the biggest component of that is insulin being a hormone that tells your body to use up glucose to store fat, to store that glucose as fat if you've already used up as much as you can in the muscles. Um, but fat is the one food that actually doesn't raise your blood sugar. So to me, that's, that's hugely important. And I find a lot of people when they switch to paleo just don't eat enough fat. And so they're getting hungry. They're finding that they're cutting all of the grains out and they're getting hungry and they're getting fatigued. And it, it's so important to realize that you need to replace those grains with some fat. And you'll find you won't need to replace it with as many calories, but you'll definitely need to be having those fats in your diet. 
And that's really important in terms of the cholesterol we're talking about as well, as well before, because we we're talking about how you know the cholesterol is actually made by your body predominantly. It's not the cholesterol you're having in your diet; it's the cholesterol your body's making. Um, and that becomes really important when you do look at the different types of cholesterol. And there are all these different types, and we've heard about sort of the good cholesterol and the bad cholesterol. And we're now finding, well, actually, it's more complicated than that too. But you know, the one we particularly look at is the VLDL, the very low density lipoprotein. I think that's, that's right. That's right. And that is the bad cholesterol. That, that is the very small ones that tend to be the closest correlation with the heart disease. And the predominant thing that causes your body to create that is the high carbohydrate diet. In fact, particularly wheat, when we spoke with David, uh, no, not David Gillespie, I was going to say David Gillespie, it was Dr. William Davis. He spoke about the wheat and how particularly the wheat is a really big influencer in creating that very low density lipoprotein. Absolutely. And if you look at um, specifically then the Arctic populations of people who are just eating almost purely fat and protein, I mean, obviously they're not dying of heart attacks. They're not, you know, they're, they're able to sustain themselves just off of that. And if we look at it, then we can also talk about the nutrition in fat. So. Yeah. Well, I was just going to comment on that, that, you know, one of the studies that gets pointed to all the time as to fat being bad for us is the Ansel Keys seven countries study. And what we know is he actually surveyed 22 countries um, and then throughout majority of them because they didn't fit with his hypothesis and just stuck to the seven that made sense. So he didn't include those, you know, the Arctic countries that don't have a lot of grains and have a whole lot of fat because it didn't fit with his hypothesis. And that hypothesis is the basis for all of these myths that we have now. So people are just starting to kind of look back at that study or maybe not even recently, but over the past little while people have been looking back at that study going wait a minute hang on this yeah. isn't actually true at all oh now it makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah and it's so confusing isn't it because you do you look at all these studies and you look at how this dietary advice keeps changing and it's like you know eggs are really good for you and then it's like no no, no hang on eggs are really bad for you and then it was like well now you're just gonna eat the egg whites <laughs> you know? and now we're kind of come yeah. around the full circle and we're like actually do you know what eggs are great <laughs> like they're a natural whole food they're full of fats but they're good fats they help your body make good cholesterol you know, so we've got to be careful with this science that makes sure we're, you know, I think the major problem is we need to make sure we're asking the right question when we ask this science. And I think that's where we've gone wrong so often in the past. But when we start asking, well, what's our body designed to eat? What's our body evolved to eat? You know, we start getting some different answers. And of course, our body's evolved eating eggs. I mean, that's just a really simple, stable food that we know all animals on the planet, like, they just love eggs. And the whole all. egg. <laughs> and the yeah. entire egg. We weren't just going to be like, okay, let's crack our shell and separate the whites. Yeah. Like, that just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a snake do that, or a, you know, like, no. <laughs> in nature. Like, you know, that just doesn't make sense, does it? It just seems kind of illogical. So... Perhaps we should start talking about some of the different types of fats, because obviously we're now saying fats are good, but obviously not all fats are good. Yeah, so, I mean, the main one that gets pointed to as being bad is actually saturated fat, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Saturated fat is actually really, really good for us. And, you know, what my husband says is it doesn't make sense that saturated fat is bad for us, because that's how our bodies actually store fat on us. So if it was dangerous and toxic, why would we form that in the first place if it was going to kill us? We wouldn't turn it into that, would we? So um, saturated fat comes from, predominantly, from animal sources, so from your cows, from your goats from your sheep or whatever it is that you're eating in, in animal form and it's really important to note that 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 needs to come from an animal that's eating what it evolved eating so you need to be having grass-fed pasteurized uh, sorry not pasteurized uh, pasture raised animals if you're going to eat their fat if you don't know the source of your animal meat if you think it might be grain fed then 
try and cut away the fat because that isn't good. That's actually quite high in omega sixes. I think you've got something to add there, Brent. Yeah, and look, it's a really interesting conversation that's been going on for a while in the paleo community around this saturated fat stuff. Because I know, you know, Lauren Cordain, who is kind of the, the godfather of this whole movement and, and just sort of started it all off with his paleo diet book. And we know that, you know, originally he was sort of suggesting that maybe we don't want to get too much satur- animal saturated fat into our diets and that we might want to look at the other sources like the the coconut oil and those sort of things. And, and you know, the, the great thing, the thing I love about Lauren Cordain is he's a researcher. Like, he's all about the research. He's all about studying it and finding out what really works and what, what really has an effect. And so I guess the best thing that, that he's able to do is he's willing to change his mind. You know, he's not one of those guys who just sits there and goes, no, this is the way it is. This is what I say, so it must be right and I'm going to ignore all the evidence. He's willing to sit down, look at the evidence and say, hey, do you know what? We need to change this. And so... He's now come around, so there might be people out here who've listened or read that paleo diet book thinking, well, hang on, Lauren said saturated fats were no good, or saturated animal fats were no good, uh, or that we shouldn't have too many, probably more accurately is what he said. Uh, but then if you look at his new book, which I can't remember the name of it now, but um, his, his latest book, definitely he's come around and said, well, actually, we should be getting some saturated animal saturated fats, and they're actually good for us. Is it the paleo answer? I reckon that's yeah, right. Awesome. Yeah, and so... Um, Obviously, as well, animal fats, we're talking fish oils, right? So fats from fish, and I'm sure everyone by now has heard of omega-3s and that that fish are a really good source of omega-3s. So that's something else that we want to be having. That's why we've been told to eat more fishes so that we get our omega-3 fats. Um, And, you know, there are several different types of omega-3, of omega fats. There's omega-3 and 6, and 6 is not a good one. We need some of that, but a small proportion. In too much quantity, it tends to be highly inflammatory. Um, And as we've said in previous podcasts, most of our chronic diseases are an inflammatory-based disease. So we want to be avoiding anything that's going to ramp up our inflammation process. Yeah, and those are the ones found uh, predominantly in grains. I know there's some in olive oil, which we'll talk about later. Um, lots of other sources for that as well. Yeah, and this, the SAD diet, the standard American diet or the standard Australian diet is extremely high in these omega-6 fatty acids, which is why we want to be eating more fish to try and balance out the ratios of what we're getting. Yeah, and so the key with the omega-3s and the omega-6s is the ratio, isn't it? Mm. So, you know, you, it's not necessarily that you need to have a certain quantity of them, but you need to get the ratio right. And that's, I guess, what we've got so wrong in our modern diets is... You know, these modern processed oils, these grain-fed meats, these grains themselves Hello, canola are, are really throwing out. I know, Steph, you had some stats around some of those percentages for some of those oils, which were just crazy. Yeah, so we're talking about having, ideally, in a perfect world, a caveman had a ratio of 1 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3. Um, I think we're probably aiming for a more realistic 3 to 1 ratio, so omega-6 um, is the part three and then to one omega three. Um, but I've got, I've got a, a number here. So corn oil actually has a 46 to one ratio, wow. um, which huge, is just shocking. And that's just one of the many, many, uh, industrial oils that we'll talk about today. But that's just, that's just gives you a good idea of something that's very common in our diet right now. Hence why the, the huge amount of inflammation and chronic disease from these oils. Yeah, and I was speaking earlier about, you know, getting your, um, if you're going to be eating meat where you don't know what the source is, if it's it's potentially grain-fed, that's another reason you want to avoid that fat because in grain-fed cattle, 
Um, the ratio is something huge, like 20 to 1, possibly. Yeah. Um, and if you're getting your grass fed, it can be, depending on the season, it can be as low as 1 to 1 and sometimes up to 3 to 1. But that's sort of in that ideal ratio. And, and that's not just the cattle either, is it? That's like the, all the other meats, the other it's meats. the eggs, it's eggs, all of those yeah. things. And, and so we've certainly been having that battle at the moment, trying to find some grain raised, or some grass raised, you know, pasture raised eggs. And, and, you know, it's really hard to find that quality, but it's really important because it's just such a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you if you don't know what you're getting and if you can't find something that's grass-fed, then probably err on the side of caution and cut the fat off, which I don't because I know I'm getting grass-fed, so I eat the fat and that's delicious. Um, but if you're not sure, cut the fat off and supplement with some olive oil when it's not cooked, which we'll talk about later, or some coconut oil or um, some fish oil or some, some fish in general. Um, and again, going back to the fish, I know we've talked about fish before, but you want to be getting the smaller fish and you want to be making sure they're wild-caught, that they're not again farmed fish because that's that that when they're farmed they're grain raised when they're grain raised they're full of bad fats yeah and then if we're looking at it from i guess a a paleo perspective fish weren't necessarily available to everyone Mm. but we were all eating meat and so um william davis again dr william davis mentioned in his uh wheat belly is just about where else were we getting these omega-3s? And one of the main sources was organ meats, specifically brains. We talked about brains being awesome, or sorry, we talked about um, fats being awesome for your brain health, and that's obviously um, the main place to store them, but you know, I'm sure maybe a very, very, very small percentage of the people listening right now have actually eaten a brain or even seen seen a brain. I've seen them cook it on MasterChef. um, I reckon there's a few people that have just gone, you've got to be kidding me, eating brains. My mum used to feed us brains. See, my mum's just, she's such a radical. She used to feed us brains, except though, mum, we we must point this one out, they were breadcrumbed brains. So then, (laughs) ah, But the omega-3s would have balanced that out, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, you would hope they wouldn't balance out the damage that the wheat would have been doing to the bell yeah. lining, but yeah, definitely in terms of balancing out the fats. Anyway, so we're not saying that fish are, is the only source of omega-3s, but it is um, predominantly the most common, I guess, in our modern world. Yeah, and so if we move on to the uh, the other oils, you know, the vegetable and the seed oils, I know for the three of us, we recently just got to a copy of the latest Australian government recommendations yeah. for what they think we should be eating. And we were just horrified to see these vegetable and seed oils still taking such a prominent place there and the saturated fat still being vilified there. And uh, and it's just so disappointing to see, so disheartening to see when we know that the research is out there, that the evidence is out there, and for whatever reason it's just being ignored or they've just chosen to ignore it. So I guess we, when we're talking about these artificial oils or these processed oils, we probably should start with the big one, which is the trans fats. And... You know, I like to think that most people are aware of trans fats now. I like to think that that's been publicised enough about the links between trans fats and chronic disease and just how terribly, terribly bad that is for our health. Um, but, you know, we've just been talking as well about how, you know, there's some sneaky ways to hide that as well. So make sure that, first of all, that you are aware of trans fats. And, and a lot of the time people are aware of trans fats, but they're not aware just how much stuff it's in. Mm. You know, and particularly in Australia, it's in so much of our processed foods, you know, just about... So many of the foods you buy on the supermarket shelf, they've got trans fats in them. It's just scary. 
but also that they're starting to now label it as different things. And so, you know, we've got, you've got to look out for hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oils. Um, and often they'll call it that rather than trans fats because obviously they, don't, they know that you know that name now. Yeah, and we know they don't actually have to label it if it's less than, what is it, 1%, I think, yeah. uh, of the fat is trans fat. So um, it's really important, even if it says trans fat free, you're really just looking at the types of oils that they're using and the hydrogenation, like Brett said, watch for that. And the reason trans fats are so bad is just because your body actually doesn't know what they are and it doesn't know how to eliminate them. Yeah. And so I was listening to, now which podcast was it? It was a Jimmy Moore podcast with, I was talking about it yesterday. Now I can't remember who it is. I'm sorry. I'll credit you later when I work out who it is. And they were talking about the fact that our cell membranes are made up of fats, right? Which I, I learned in physiology, you've got the, you know, the, the tail end and the head end and they don't want to go near water and that's how you make a cell. And what happens is that the body can take on those trans fats and those polyunsaturated fats and those monounsaturated fats to form the, the membrane of your cells. But because those, the hallmark of those is that they've got bonds that aren't actually being used up, so they're able to be um, interacted with. And so um, oxidized is the word that they tend to use. And so that means that those cell walls, instead of being nice and strong and, and pretty inert, are then susceptible to being damaged from outside things. And we've got so many toxins in our environment. And so they were actually highlighting that that could be uh, something to do with the, the rate of melanoma um, that we're seeing in, especially you know in Australia, we're seeing a, a high proportion of melanoma. And it's just that the cell walls are made up of stuff that can be damaged when it didn't used to be able to be. And yeah, that's such a good point because there seems to be more and more research coming out on that point. And I know there'll be a number of Australians listening to this and obviously we've been sort of just grown up with this skin conscious, sun conscious thing. But there seem to be a lot of studies at the moment coming out suggesting that it's as much, if not more, to do with your diet than it is to do with your exposure to the sun, which is yeah, pretty interesting. And we're definitely going to be talking about sun in later episodes. And yeah. just a reminder, this episode is briefing over so many things as it's our 12-part introduction to paleo. We will go into more detail about these later. Um, but another another problem with the oils is how we're processing them, but also how we're cooking them. So it's important to note the smoke point of your oils. So I think maybe we should just quickly go through a list of all the the bad oils, the oils that you should never, ever, ever eat. Yeah, so one of the ones that is just huge in Australia is canola oil, right? And I mean, the way that when I was getting into paleo, I tried to think about it was if I could work out how they would get an oil from this product, <laughs> then it was probably okay. Like coconut, that's a pretty oily thing. You touch it, you can feel the oils on your hands. Olives, you touch that, you can feel the oil on your hands. Your nuts, your macadamias, your avocados, they, when you touch them in their natural state, they're kind of oily and greasy. But canola... No, yeah. vegetables? What vegetables other than eggplant do you know that are oily? And that seems to be only when you cook it anyway. Um, another one is rice bran oil. That's been very vogue of late. Um, and people are loving getting into that rice bran oil. They've done an excellent marketing campaign on how good it is and how healthy it is because it's cholesterol free. But it's a really bad one. And I, again, I heard a podcast, someone talking about rice bran oil. It could have actually been your episode on oils, the Wellness Guys episode on oils, where Damien was talking about the many processing steps, including bleaching, to get rice bran oil into an oil form. Um, so, so many chemicals happening there. Yeah, that was a really good one on the Wellness Guys. Because I know Damien was actually someone who had previously recommended rice bran oil. And so he'd then done some more research into it. And he was very honest about the fact that, and once again, all credit to him to say, hey, you know what? That wasn't quite right. And I now know better. And here's the, the best advice for you. 
And so we sort of touched on the smoke points of the oils because that's really important. Because what we know is a lot of these oils, you know, we all know we've been in the kitchen cooking and these oils are smoking and, you know, they've got to have the the overhead fan on to try and... And what we now know is that when that's happening, that's producing carcinogens, right? That's actually producing cancer-causing agents in the food and that's not a good thing. So... We need to start looking at foods that are, uh, sorry, oils that are much more stable, and that's why we're going to talk about some oils in a sec that are much better for cooking with. And one of the major reasons for that is that they just have a higher smoke point. Um, and then also the other thing, as we mentioned earlier, is the omega sixes that are in these oils. So we know that these vegetable and seed oils are really high in omega sixes. You know, we seem to get so obsessed. It seems to me the only reason we're saying they're good is that they don't have saturated fat in them. Like that seems to be their only positive. Mm. And we now know that that's actually not a positive anyway. Um, but what the negative is that they're full of these omega-6s, they're really inflammatory, which as we've said, is just linked with all of those chronic diseases. And uh, I think there's a new book out, I just was in the airport and I saw it everywhere in the airport, called Toxic Poison, or sorry, Toxic, Toxic Oils. Oils by David Gillespie. And nice. we haven't actually read it yet, we've heard a lot about it, so if any of you have actually read it... <laughs> Post on our Facebook and let us know what you thought of You've it. You've just jogged my memory. It was David Gillespie being interviewed by uh, <laughs> Jimmy Moore about the membranes of uh, cells. So there you go. There you go. And definitely that's, stay tuned because be we one. will get David on this show later on and we'll get really into the detail about those oils. Definitely. So now we're going to kind of talk about all of the oils that we love and use on a daily basis. I don't think any of us would be anywhere if it wasn't for coconut oil. Yeah. Um, it's one of those weird ones, just like butter and just um, actually like olive oil as well, where when it's warm outside, it's a liquid. And when you put it in the fridge, it goes into a solid. Yeah, seriously. I think Yana's in danger of turning into a coconut. <laughs> she has got this like list of stuff that she uses coconut oil for that's about as long as her arm. So maybe it's you can amazing. go through some of those, Yana. Yeah, so um, coconut oil. I eat it. I use it as a mouthwash. Um, there's definitely episodes on, again, Jimmy Moore that are talking about coconut um, oil pooling for gingivitis. And um, I use it as a, a makeup remover. I use it as a moisturizer. It does have some um, SPF properties to it. Uh, it's deodorant. Deodorant, <laughs> yep. Um, psoriasis responds well to it. There's just so many scalp, things. Scalp, scalp treatment. Anyways, this, this episode isn't about coconut no, oil. <laughs> I do, could make a whole episode about, about coconut, coconut oil, oil, I'm sure. But let's talk about, like we said, the pasture-raised animal fat. So I know one thing that I've personally done was make homemade tallow. So I went to the butcher who I know has my grass-fed organic beef. I bought all of the um, suet. Is that what they call it? Just the the fat. Anyways, just bought a bag of fat for $5. Came home, chopped it up into little pieces, rendered it really slowly on low heat on my stove strained it out then i got a jar of tallow nice (laughs) yeah and i often do that when i cook pork belly um all of the the pork fat obviously drops out of that so we just keep that aside and use that to cook in and look i know one of the questions people are going to be asking now is well what about butter what about ghee what about all those sort of things and obviously that's a pretty sort of hot topic in i guess the paleo primal world there's this whole sort of thing of you know the primal is i guess involving a bit more of the dairy and those sort of things the paleo tending not to um, and I think in the paleo world, this is kind of a bit more of a personal choice and about figuring out what works for you. Um, I know for me, I tend not to do those things. I kind of, as much as anything, less so probably from a scientific point of view as from a philosophical point of view. I think that, you know, there's not necessarily the evidence there to say, hey, butter might be causing you problems. But from my point of view, I think, hey, I don't reckon I would have been eating much, if any, dairy as a gay man. And so I think that we probably evolved not to require that and, for, and not to utilize and process that. So... 
I tend to stay away from it just purely from that reason, but I think you guys use a little bit of it yeah. as well. And we'll, we'll definitely get into that in a future episode as well. Brett, there will be a rebuttal. Um, <laughs> but anyways, for now, uh, those are, if you're in the primal side of things, those are definitely good sources. But yeah. let's talk a little bit about nut oils briefly. Um, so macadamia nut oil and avocado is not oil. a nut, but... Or is it a nut? Anyways, no, uh, avocado is. oil. Um, and and we mentioned briefly about olive oil. And now olive oil and these nut oils are really important. But they have a very low smoke point. So even though they are very healthy and satiating to eat, it's important not to cook with them because mm. you can, like Brett said, you cause this um, this breakdown and it turns into the toxic carcinogen that none of us really want. Do either of you know about macadamia oil? I was under the I'm impression sure it was okay. Macadamia oil is okay to cook with as long as low you're cooking heat. at low heat temperatures yeah, exactly. yeah. so yeah, you've yeah. got to be really conscious what basically the rule Which, is as soon as it starts to smoke then the you're going to stop doing it yeah and there is a lot of evidence to suggest that most of our food should be cooked on a lower heat not like scorching high um, i know in william davis book he talks about ages which is advanced glycolation end products um, and that seems to be formed when we're cooking things at a high heat and charring stuff off so you know you might want to look into that a little bit more um, I personally make my own ghee out of grass-fed butter because I don't trust that the ghee in the supermarket is from a cow that's been eating grass so um, but the, you know that's all stuff for another time and um, fish is another one it is important to cook at low heat and yes, not to overcook because you will denature those really delicate omega-3s but yeah. moving on, we're just going to go through kind of some meals in the day and how we incorporate fat into those meals. So I'm going to start with breakfast. One thing that's delicious and we've talked about before is smoothies. But as we know, that's mostly fruit, some vegetables. But if you're making it with a nut, um, so if you're making it with almond milk, for example, you're going to get some fats from the nuts. And another thing that I really love to do is toss in a spoonful of coconut oil. Yeah, something else I love to do when I know Steph's going to gag at this, but I put nope. raw eggs in mine. Me too. I, I have no issue uh -huh. with that whatsoever. I think it's great. <laughs> so getting some good fats and proteins in there, you can uncover your ears. We're all good. Okay. <laughs> and, and obviously also then when you're doing your cooked breakfast, you know, you can use that coconut oil. All you're cooking, you just like generous portions of that. So you're, you know, adding in your avocado to your cooked breakfast. Breakfast, you know just doing those things to add in those extra yeah. bits of fat yeah. there as well and eggs as well so we talked about eggs being a really great source of fats um, more eggs no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys i've told you before i do not do well with these things and I, it's not to say that i don't eat them because i do i just don't like to talk about it <laughs> so moving on um cooking those eggs less Gently. Rather than more <laughs> gently cooking them. You don't want them bouncing off the floor. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> good thing to do. Um, and I, you know what? Have a steak for breakfast. That's what I do. No, steak, yeah. sausages, bacon, lamb chops, whatever you want. Have yep. those for breakfast. Yeah. Um, so maybe moving on to lunch then. I guess a common lunch food would be a salad. Um, so we've talked about a lot of things that you can add into salads. So again, the nuts, the avocados, some some boiled eggs and um, mayonnaise or, or Caesar salad dressing or all those things are made with raw eggs, uh, which I eat. And, um, <laughs> or as a salad dressing, add some... Uh, Add some olive oil on That's top. What I did today, I did uh, olive oil, coconut oil, and uh, apple cider vinegar on top of mine, which is going to be awesome when yeah. I get to eat it. Oh, and some cracked black pepper. Um, with the mayonnaise... I have yet to come across one that's in a store that doesn't have soybean oil. Sorry, I meant homemade oil. So mayonnaise. Make it at home. I found a, a um, 
combination of um, macadamia, avocado oil and coconut oil and olive oil to be the best because each one of those on their own tends to be a bit overpowering the flavor so I just sort of mix it up but then yeah. depending on what I've there got are in the house. So many recipes hundreds online. Hundreds of recipes so online. And it's so easy. Yeah. And so dinner, I mean, dinner is probably the most obvious one. We've talked about the fats on your meat. Um, and again, you can roast any sort of vegetable or toss any sort of vegetable in your oils. Um, coconut oil is the one we use, or again, the tallow or lard or whatever we're talking about here. Um, and then a nice little treat to end yes, us off today, our dessert, dessert treat. I have this in the fridge right now. I just literally blended some blueberries and some coconut oil together, put them in the fridge. They harden up into little snacks. Um, do not use frozen blueberries as I discovered today because it just hardens coconut oil and you have to wait till the next morning to finish uh, blending it. <laughs> and then I love to use the coconut milk as well. Yep. I can use yes. that for so many different recipes where you perhaps otherwise you would have used the cream or the dairy or whatever you use, the coconut milk, the coconut cream, and that's just beautiful in desserts. My favorite yep. is like parsnips or um, any sort of root vegetable blended with garlic and coconut milk. Oh, wow. My favorite is we have, we have like billions of blackberries at home. So we do frozen blackberries, like blended up into like a sorbet with coconut milk. And that yeah. is just awesome. Yeah. So if you're trying to make Steph's coconut oil thing, don't use them frozen. But if you're trying to make a sorbet, use the coconut milk and frozen berries. Amazing. Absolutely brilliant. So that's all the time we have for today. Like I said, we are going to go through these things in more detail in future episodes, but hopefully we gave you a really good start today on how to incorporate fats into your diet. So until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, this is Dr. Lawrence here, co-founder and co-host of The Wellness Guy Show. Well, it's been electric since our very first Wellness Summit has now finally come to a close on the Go Coast and the wellness community wants more. That's right. Well, get ready because our next summit is actually going to be coming to Melbourne, Australia. And we'll love you to come too as well. The Wellness Guys will be there, plus the Upper Chat Girls, Cindy O'Meara, Kim Morrison, and Karen Smith, and some super special guests as well, which we'll be announcing very shortly. It'll be 10 hours of powerhouse wellness that you don't want to miss. So simply go to thewellnesssummit.com. See you there.